What is happening, everybody, and welcome to episode 41 of the Talking Chop Podcast. My name is Brad Rowland. I'll be your host, as always, and uh, joining me today is a former co-host and still frequent guest of this particular podcast. You know him well. His name is Carlos Colazzo. What's up, man? What's up, Brad? Uh, I feel like it's pretty awesome that you're still continuing to drag me on this podcast. I feel like I would have been banned from it by now just because of how well you've done with the thing in my uh, absence, but uh, it's good to be joining you at one o'clock in the morning. Uh, yes. So yeah, it's, it's late. <laughs> it's late on a, on a Sunday night, but Hey, here we're here. It's, you know, we're getting, we're getting there. You're probably listening to this on Monday, potentially even later in the week because, you know, uh, in the off season, the days kind of run together for the Atlanta Braves, mm-hmm. but Hey, we're here to uh, talk about baseball and that's always fun. Uh, nothing has happened I would say since last time I recorded a podcast last week, there were a lot of fireworks. We talked about a lot of them, um, but we'll probably hit on a couple of things here and get Carlos's take on some stuff. I guess the biggest thing to hit to hit on this podcast and to start off with is uh, the name of Chris Sale. Uh, lots of lots of Chris Sale rumors, uh, not a lot of specifics, but a lot of uh, speculation that the Braves are uh, sort of throwing out offers. For sale, uh, if you don't know who that is by this point, I'll, I'll help you out by saying he's a, a left-hander from the White Sox, who's one of the best pitchers in baseball, and uh, let's just talk about it. I don't know. Uh, are, are you intrigued by Chris Sale? Uh, is this something that excites you? Obviously, he would be the best pitcher on the Atlanta Braves roster, but uh, are you uh, have you been you know diving in on, on the trade rumors, kind of just reading every single thing that comes out, or are you on the wait-and-see approach here? Uh, no, I'm definitely interested. Uh, I mean, I think Chris Sale... When his name is popped up in rumors with your team, regardless of what your team is, I feel like you you kind of have to be interested just based on how good Chris Sale has been and just based on the fact that he loves his red jerseys. So a personality like that would be an awesome addition, uh, <laughs> along with Big Sexy. So, no, it's definitely interesting. It's been one of those things I've been keeping up with. Um, I mean, probably more than anything, like the Sale rumor, that's that's a trade that can really shake up your team more than anything that the Braves could do this offseason. Uh, I feel like it's the biggest fish that are really going after this point. I know when it started, when the rumors started to kind of come in regularly, I just texted Mark uh, Mark Bowman and asking how how legit it was. Oh, name drop already. Yeah, for, early in the yeah. podcast. I Sorry, like I had to get that in there just because it was interesting. And I feel like he uh, he mentioned Chris Archer as well. But I basically just asked Mark, I was like, is a sale a legit possibility or are they just checking in on everyone? This was early in the process. Um And Mark basically said, he told me what he's been reporting to everyone, basically that they're checking in on everybody, but Sale is the guy they want. I mean, they want him, even though, and this is the the point that was interesting to me. He said, even though the cost would be greater than that for Archer or Gray, uh, and I think that point about Archer is really the most interesting, because I've heard about, uh, I've heard several people say that Chris Archer might even be more expensive to get than Chris Sale, just because of the contract. Um but I'm interested to see what your opinion is on who who will be more expensive, Chris Sale, because he's that bona fide ace. He's probably uh, a better pitcher than Chris Archer is, but obviously Archer's contract is more desirable. So, what do you think about that? Yeah, I was gonna definitely have that to to bring up on the pod. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think it's it's definitely not up for debate that Sale's a better pitcher. You know, Sale yeah. has Sale has 4.7 WAR or better in five straight seasons. Basically, mm-hmm. one of the top three or four guys in the entire major leagues. Over the last five years, he also has the second yeah. best strikeout to walk ratio in the history of baseball, which <laughs> is incredible. Like ahead of Greg Maddox, for instance, like that's how Seems ridiculous Chris Sale has been in that particular category. And I'm I'm a whore for strikeouts and walks, so mm-hmm. uh, big fan of Sale. But no, I've heard the same thing you have about Archer, and I was going to bring him up as well. 
Um, the difference between, between the two contracts, just so everybody knows, is that Sale is under under contract through 2019. So if the Braves picked him up this winter, he would have three he would have three years of, of team control. Whereas Chris Archer, who's not as good as Sale, would have five years of control, which is incredible, and it's at a very 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 cheap cost. Um, like less than ten million a year in, on the aggregate, which is crazy for like. Just think about the Julio Tehran contract that we always talk about. Uh, Archer, you know this this past season was not as good as Julio, but I think uh, if you're if you if you threw those two guys in the market, people would say they'd rather have Archer than Tehran, and Archer's even cheaper. So it's one of those things where it, he'd be extremely valuable on the contract, mm-hmm. but. Uh, you know, it kind of depends on what you're looking for because I think this is a big, a big, a bigger question we, we can get into as we go here. But it's about what the Braves want. If they want to be competitive sooner rather than later, then you would prioritize a guy like Sale, who you know is going to be good right away. Uh, Archer was not not awesome this year after after a breakout year in 2015. He was not awesome in 2016. Was still fine, um, yeah. but at the same time, Sale will be a, a bigger impact right away. He did for me. It's always more volatile. He's managed to be healthy this entire time, but there's always been the question about his delivery and the fact that it's not natural. And while we're, it's, it's all just mm-hmm. speculation and people talk about this all the time, uh, you have to wonder about guys who haven't had the injury stuff yet, especially with guys who look like, like Sale does. But I don't know. Yeah. I think Sale's we were- probably a higher price tag, but only, only by a small amount. And it wouldn't shock me if Archer took more just because of the contract. Yeah, we were talking about his delivery this summer when I was in San Diego. You know those blow-up things that are always at car dealerships that kind of wave around (laughs) in the air? He looks like one of those things in human form. No joke. So next time you watch Chris Sale, just think about that. His delivery is pretty unique, but that that probably is part of the reason why he's so effective. But I think it's worth pointing out that uh, Chris Archer struck out more than a batter uh, per nine innings better than Chris Sale did this last season. And if you go by his uh, XFIP, uh, he was better than Julio Tehran and better than uh, Chris Sale last year. Obviously, we don't really know uh, if that home run to fly ball ratio is going to stick up there. It was 16.2, which seems like it's going to come down. I mean, he's a career 11.3 guy, right. and that's basically exactly what Chris Sale is. So I think uh, projecting them forward, I would definitely expect Archer to be closer to Chris Sale um, than what he was this season, just because his peripherals are so good. Uh, the walks are, maybe are a little concerning just because I guess three walk three walks isn't bad when you're striking out ten and a half batters for nine innings, but you'd like to see that down if you're trading to get a guy who you assume is going to be an ace in the future. So that will be something to monitor. But I definitely think Chris Archer. I mean, I'm not very concerned about Chris Archer just because just based on his last season, if that's what we're talking about. Yeah, not, I'm not either, and that's yeah. That's a good I don't point. think anyone is. It's but. just the. I don't know. Yeah, it, Sale is a tier above just because he's performed so, so well for so many years at this point. Like, you know what you're going to get from him, barring injury. Right. If you're asking so. me who, who, would I, who would I rather have over, like, a two-year sample, it's certainly Sale. Yeah. It's not really up for debate. But th- those those two extra years uh, do come into play. My, my, my takeaway there, just kind of in the overarching sense, and I know you kind of agree with me on this. We, we talked about it a lot, is that – Mm-hmm. Pitching is so volatile that if the biggest discrepancy is in year four and year five of this contract, that kind of weighs down a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. it weighs less for me on the pitching side than it would on the hitting side, contract wise, because guys just pitching is so much more volatile. Um, so give me the guy who would be better in the short term. I think more often than not, but yeah. uh, only because sales also cheap. It's not like you're talking about 
Archer versus a guy like you know Zach Greinke, and you're paying the guy thirty million dollars a year. Uh, mm-hmm. Chris Sale has a super cheap contract as well yeah, for a guy. Chris Sale's going to pay twelve million, twelve point five, and then thirteen point five the next three years, which is insanely valuable. I think there's a there's a really good Fangraphs piece that Jeff Sullivan did uh, a few days ago where he talks about the uh, the surplus value that both these two guys will give you. And they said Archer will give you something like $128 million in surplus value over the next five years, and uh, Chris Sale will give you 84 and a half over the next three years. So both of those guys, obviously, on extremely team-friendly contracts. Um, anybody would want those, but it's just worth pointing out how ridiculously cheap they are relative to how talented they are. Yep, it's the same. It's the Julio Tehran thing, man. Uh, Julio may, yep. may not be a number one starter, but if you can get a, a number two starter on that contract, it is so valuable. It's not even. Mm-hmm. It's crazy, as we as we talked about several times. We got a couple of questions here that I wanted to run by you, and the sort of the interesting one, I guess, and something that I'm I'm kind of hesitant to do usually with guys when you're just kind of picking out of thin air. But because mm-hmm. there's actually some reporting around the sale stuff, less on Archer, but really on sale. Uh, yeah. we, we got a question from Chase. Kohutek on Twitter. I'm, I'm sure I butchered that, so sorry, Chase. <laughs> uh, but I appreciate the question. He says, what kind of package uh, would you guys think of giving up for Chris Archer and or Chris Sale? Or would you rather just wait uh, and go neither? Uh, uh, you know, Obviously, I think we're going to try to put together a package here. I know you've, mm-hmm. I, you looked ahead a, a little bit. And I'm, I'd be willing to certainly trade uh, probably more than people would think for one of these guys. But uh, yeah. give, me, give, me, give me sort of your ballpark on what, what you think it's going to take to get one of these guys. All right. Uh, first of all, I think to go ahead and answer this question, I think I would I would rather wait a year, maybe not even a year, but I don't think that the Braves should be trading for either, this, either of these two guys right now just because I feel like the rebuild is a little further off, and I feel like if you trade to get one of these guys, you're hurting your chances to actually compete because you're trading away the guys you're going to need. Either way, that's beside the point. I think uh, it's fun to kind of do this little thought process, and we actually have a couple of – national reporters who have thrown out uh, potential packages for Chris Sale. Uh, I'm referring specifically to Dave Schoenfield with ESPN. Um, He did his piece uh, just predicting 30 trades for all the teams in baseball. And the first one he led off with was Chris Sale and David Robertson to the Dodgers. Uh, And the package that he put together from the Dodgers side of things was Yasiel Puig, Jose de Leon, Yadier Alvarez, and Alex Verdugo. Um, I feel like most people are probably familiar with the first two, um, but if you're not familiar with De Leon, he was number 32 overall prospect last year, and Alvarez and Verdugo were both top 100 prospects. Um, I feel like Yasiel Puig's value is maybe a bit more uh, polarizing than than most players. I, I'm pretty high on him. I know a lot of people aren't aren't big on Puig at this point just because he's trended down in his personality issues, but I still think he's uh, an elite talent that any team would want. So I kind of based my prediction for Chris Sale on this, and I kind of tried to figure out what was a similar value level. So here's my potential Braves trade for Chris Sale. Uh, tell me if you think this is crazy, if this is an overpay. I wrote it oh, down. Oh, I, w- I will, sir. I will do yeah. that. <laughs> I wrote it down and looked at it, and I, I feel like it still might be too light, but I'm giving up, I think, five five prospects, and there are a lot of the top the top ones and I feel like it still might be uh, on the brave side as far as which which side gets the better end of the deal but I came up with one of Ozzy Albies or Kevin Maiton to highlight the deal this would be the centerpiece prospect uh, so the White Sox could pick whichever one of those two they wanted then it would be Malik Smith 
two of Sean Newcomb, Colby Allard, and Ian Anderson, and then one of Braxton Davidson, Lucas Herbert, or Luke Dykstra. So first impressions on that? You think it's light? You think it's too much? What do you think? Um, I feel like it might be light. It feels light. I would say that if it was if it was Maton, that it might make that might be closer. And yeah. for for example, I, I've now talked to a couple of guys who are around the team regularly, including Grant McCauley, who mm-hmm. basically have said Maton's not getting traded. Uh, and I think the two guys, and we have a question about this at the end, so I don't want to spoil mm-hmm. it all. But the two guys that I keep hearing from people who are closer <laughs> to the team than I am who are not going to be traded are Dansby Swanson and Kevin Maton. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let me say that out, let me say that out loud. I think Maton's value while this 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 seems crazy because he's uh, you know 16 years old or it might be 17 now or getting close yeah. to it. Uh, I think his value might even be higher than than Ozzy Albies his value. Really? Um, yeah, just only because of the you know the higher ceiling. I oh, think yeah. I think it's definitely I, higher. I think with Ozzy you you know I'm not going to say you know what you're getting necessarily but I think um it's pretty safe to assume that he's never going to he's be more a super duper sure. star. Yeah, he's more he's more advanced and a lot a lot safer. But I don't think I don't really see the super duper star ceiling with mm-hmm. him. Um, so all that all that to say, I think it might be a little bit light. Um, I think that's going to strike some people as uh, as crazy because I think the overarching theme that I've seen on Twitter um, with people, even that people that I sort of trust, mm-hmm. is that people are underestimating how what it's going to take. Yeah, to get, to the get last Chris sale. I was thinking about this again, and then I thought. Another piece that might make this actually doable is if you just threw in Matt Whistler or a guy like that who's had some major league experience but maybe doesn't have that high ceiling. Because um, really, if you're trading for sale, you would—I mean, you would—you wouldn't need Whistler to fill a rotation spot. Ideally, obviously, you want more more than five pitchers, and the Braves have that, so it's not like losing Matt Whistler would kill them. But I feel like that'd be an, an attractive piece to throw in there that wouldn't really crush you. Yeah, Even I, do. I love Matt Whistler. I do. And the think... White Sox have a really good history of developing starting pitchers, so maybe they feel like they could work with Whistler and turn him into a, that, that th- number three starter that we've thought he could become. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all if a guy like Whistler, Aaron Blair, ended up in a trade like this. Not as a cent- not not as a centerpiece, but as a sweetener kind of thing. You know, that mm-hmm. third or fourth guy in, in a package like this. Um, it's a hundred percent in my mind that it's going to take. I just can't. I can't. Th- I can't think of a scenario in which the Braves do this kind of deal for Sailor Archer and don't include Albies. I just. It's the guy that makes the most sense on a number of levels. Mm-hmm. Unless they did. Unless they did the the the, the more nuclear option and, tra- and traded in Ciarte, which I don't think they don't. They don't really want to do that. I don't think. I don't understand what the point in trading for one of these guys is if you're trading in Ciarte. Well, to be honest, I, I agree with you. I do think though, like if you can get this great deal that you love and you have to include in Ciarte, then mm-hmm. if they're, if they're sold on Malik's, then they could, they could talk themselves into that. I wouldn't do that. So I'm with you. I think, I think Ozzy's the easy centerpiece on one of these deals, but it's going to take, I think as part of your package, it might take both of the pitchers. You said two of the three. Uh, yeah. It might take three. It might take <laughs> take Allard, Newcomb, and Anderson. Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe not those those guys specifically, but uh, you know, but three of their top. Yeah, Newcomb, yeah. like Newcomb and Tukey and something else. Like you know, it might take three three pitchers plus plus all these Malik's and maybe even in addition to that, maybe even mm-hmm. Whistler or Blair on top of that. So I think it's going to take five or six guys, like five or six legitimate assets. Which it's gonna that's gonna again gonna sound crazy to some people, but when you're talking yeah. about a guy who's Chris Sale is a legitimate Cy Young candidate the minute he arrives. That that's how exactly. good this guy is. And and on and when you throw in the reasonable contract, like 
yeah, they're gonna, the White Sox would rightly be asking for the moon here, and that's what you're going to have to pay, which is, as you said earlier, that kind of makes me want to do it a little bit less because mm-hmm. this is a team that I think you know you and I agree on this. Not everybody does. Even with Sale, is not going to be competing in 2017. I don't think. Like, if you add Chris Sale, you could probably talk me into them winning, you know, enough to maybe be a fringe contender for the second wild card spot. That would not shock me. But and even then, you still are just hoping a lot of things go well for you. That's what I'm saying. Like, you you, have, mm-hmm. you, you still have to like check some boxes to even get into the mid 80s. And, yeah. if, and if you're really <laughs> going to go out and pay six guy, you know, pay the ransom that it's going to take and the ransom that it should take, frankly, to get a guy like Chris Sale if you're the White Sox, you know, it's a cost, it's a value proposition. You have to decide whether, whether adding the three or four win jump you're going to get is worth it. Yep. Definitely. Because listen, I mean, for as good as Sale is, and again, we just talked about how awesome he is for 10 minutes. uh, Is he, (laughs) is he more than, you know, adding him, adding him to the mix does not make you 10 wins better. That's what people people just forget this all of a sudden. Like yeah. the best of the best pitcher, Chris Sale could have the best year of his career, and he might be six wins better six than the wins, guy yeah. you're replacing. Um, so you know, it's again, it's that's a huge jump for one guy. But the Braves, I think, for me right now, are not anything better than like a 75 win roster. And you know, sure, no, I'm on just I'm 100 there with you. And uh, to go back to Chase's question. Um, I honestly wish, like I've said this a million times, maybe people are tired of it, but I wish the Braves were trying to trade Julio Tehran at this point because Ooh. you hear you hear about what Chris Sale and Chris Archer are getting, and Tehran to teams would offer a pitcher who's not quite at that level, so the package wouldn't be quite as steep, but it would still be a really good haul for the Braves to get to continue this rebuild. And I think, honestly, that's what I I hoped they were going to try and dangle him at the trade deadline. And then I hope they're going to trade in this offseason just because of the pitching market right now. There's just not a lot of great options as far as like top end of the rotation guys to go after. Aside from these two, these two dudes who are seemingly um, like outpriced by like there are like maybe three or four teams who could put together the package to get these guys. So I feel like Tehran would kind of uh, have a lot of a lot of interested teams looking for him. So. Yeah, I mean, that's that's absolutely true. I just think it's it's such a nuclear option because <laughs> it basically just makes you irrelevant again in 2017 for sure. I, hey, I think the Cubs just won. The Cubs just won the World Series doing that. Oh no, I, I understand it from a pure value proposition. I just don't think the Braves are even considering it because gotta sell tickets. Man. Well, yeah, you have you have to be. I think they I think they probably know they're not going to be a World Series team in 2017, but. I think being competitive in 2017 is something they obviously are prioritizing by signing mm-hmm. guys like Dickey and Cologne. That tells you that they want to win enough this year. Uh, and you know, obviously, I think you, I think you, you even know this now. There's no way they're going to go out and trade Julio Tehran after they just went and did what they've done so far. That's kind of that. This kind of tells you all you need to know. I think. Um, about what the team's going to try to do in 2017, they're going to try to win. Uh, any 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 of those like you know super forward facing deals for Freeman or Tehran are pretty much off the table now. When you look at adding two guys who are combining 85 years old to your rotation on one year contracts, or at least a one plus one for uh, <laughs> for Dickey, so I think <laughs> they, th- that's out the window. I, I sort of am inclined to agree that from a pure value standpoint, trading Julio might be the play. Right now, I just don't think that's something they're ever going to do. Yeah. Sad, sad times. It's not just <laughs> a uh, MLB The Show video game where you can trade people and not, not really care about what it does to your franchise, right? Uh, before we get off those guys, I, we got one more question from Fred Smith on Twitter. Uh, this is an interesting one because this is a lot of speculation, both 
from pe- basically people people on, on on Braves Twitter more than anything. But because of the Braves having a third base uh, vacancy, uh, he asks, uh, "Would you rather trade for Chris Sale and Todd Frazier, uh, who's the starting third baseman of the White Sox, a pretty good player, or trade for Chris Archer and Evan Longoria?" Uh, Longoria, just for reference, has a massive contract that Braves will have, have to take on, whereas Frazier has a, uh, I think, only one year of team control. So Longoria is a better player, but Frazier has a better contract. That kind of makes things a little bit even on this one, and I'm wondering what your answer would be, knowing this is a fully hypothetical thing that probably doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, I'm curious to hear what you think about this, first of all. Um, I feel like initially I'm leaning towards uh, the Archer-Longoria combo. Um, but the problem, uh, okay, here's, here's the, here's the the problem of their contract and their age and everything right now. Yeah. The problem, the problem is you're going to have to pay Longoria all the money in all the world Mm. if you do that deal. Uh, and, and theoretically, because of the fact that Longoria is going to be a free agent. uh, Yeah. His contract is through 2022, man. Yeah. It's not gonna be free agent for such a long time that like it's, it's a six year, hundred million dollar extension, right? I believe. Uh, it's a lot of money, man. Um, and honestly, and he could, Frazier's he, only making twelve million over two. What's what's his contract right now? Yeah, Frazier, I believe, is a free agent after twenty seventeen. If I yeah, if my notes you. are correct on that one, but hey, the thing is, like, if you could get Longoria, and it would take a leap of faith for Tampa Bay because they'd have to be bailing on essentially what he's been a franchise player for a long time. Uh, yeah, Frazier's in his last year arbitration in 2017, so he'll be a free agent after that. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. Even it, then, I th- I feel like I might still be on the Archer Longoria side. I mean, he had a bounce back year last year. Uh, his WRC plus was up to 123 after two years, where it was 105 and 109. The power was back. Um, I don't know. The Braves haven't had a really good third, ba- third baseman in a while, and Longoria immediately. It's that need gives you like a right-handed bat that you have to respect in the lineup. I feel like, I mean that that really helps this rebuilding process along. I can tell you that, but obviously we're we're really diving down into the weeds with this one. I feel like I'll I'll just say uh, I would rather go for Longoria Archer than Sale and Frazier just because I feel like Longoria is so much better than uh, Todd Frazier. Yeah, he's solidly better. The the caveat there would be that you you'd be paying Longoria through his age thirty-seven. Give him season. the money. Uh, so yeah, that would be the, uh, the tiebreaker, uh, at least for me, I think I'd rather go in the, uh, in the safer realm, but Hey, this doesn't really matter. I just want to answer the question cause it's fun. Uh, it's fun All to right. talk baseball trades because that's what we do, uh, in November. In six years we can look back and I can make fun of you for uh, choosing the wrong side of this. Absolutely. And, uh, the best pitcher in baseball. <laughs> that might happen. Listen, he's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, okay. A couple of other lesser things to talk about. Um, the catcher position's been in the news uh, over the last week or so. Uh, Jason Castro has been the name that has bo- been most hotly floated. We've mentioned him a couple times on the podcast in the last couple of weeks, but not specifically in depth. Uh, Mark Bowman, uh, your boy, uh, we, 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 we've already named up on this Bowman. podcast. Um, he says the catcher pursuit is uh, more, and, and I quote, more a want than a need in the mind of John Coppolella, which is not a surprise. They've talked about catcher being a spot they're looking at, but not one that they absolutely have to address. Um, but Castro, the uh, current Houston Astros catcher, could be an interesting guy in a, in a platoon with um, with 
with Tyler Flowers, I suppose, because of the fact that he hits right-handed pitching, and uh, I think you talk, want to talk about his defense a little bit. Does, does Castro interest you enough to move the needle, or is it just kind of a, you know another guy to add if, it, if the Braves are able to do that? Yeah, no, I don't think he really moves the needle. I think he'd be a nice piece to have just because, as you mentioned, his defense. Uh, I was just looking at pitch framing numbers, and it kind of his name jumped out at me because he, according to uh, Stat Corner's pitch framing numbers he is the fifth best catch or pitch framer in baseball right behind tyler flowers actually which is kind of ironic with uh he's got 12.8 runs above average uh for for framing pitches uh and and i didn't really know what to expect of that i didn't know much about his defense before uh his name was linked with the braves and i feel like it would be cool for the braves to have two guys in the top five of baseball uh for pitch framers, obviously teams are really zoning in on that. They want to have catchers who are going to steal you some strikes on a regular basis. Um, so it would be interesting to have both those guys on the same team. But, I mean, he's been basically a, a one-to-two win player for the past three years. Um, his kind of outlier season was in 2013 with the Astros when he had a 351 uh, BABIP, which he really hasn't even come close to since then. So I don't think he'll move the needle too much. But... I know you guys talked about this last week. It would be really, really bad to have um, Flowers catching R.A. Dickey all the time just because Flowers is so terrible um, at it, throwing it, runners out. So it, it just won't happen. I can't imagine. I mean, yeah. even if the Braves roll with, with the guys they have yeah, now. Yeah, whoever the other guy is will be catching. Yeah, it's going to be – if Flowers is the starter, they're definitely going to pair the backup with R.A. Dickey. That's yeah. going to happen. Whether it's Anthony Wrecker or the, the Braves uh, went out and claimed – uh, Tuffy Gosowich this week from the Diamondbacks, <laughs> uh, who's a 33-year-old who can't hit but is a good fielder. Mm-hmm. Same sort of thing. Uh, whoever that guy is, it might be Jason Castro. Listen, I mean, Castro's a free agent now. He just he just hit the market after uh, the Astros declined to give him a qualifying offer that they were never going to give him. Uh, he'll be 30 uh, in June, so not, not a guy who's over the hill. And I think if they could get Castro on a reasonable contract, I would be all about that. But uh, if it if, if if it's something where they get into a bidding war, then you know get out immediately. You know Tampa mm-hmm. Bay Tampa Bay is in the mix reportedly for Castro. I just you know the Braves he'd be an ideal option because he's a left-handed hitter and a good fielder. So yes, sign me up for that. If you can get him on a, on a, on, a, on a good cheap contract, then sure. But if you're going to go out and break the bank for Jason Castro, no thank you. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll roll I'll roll with Flowers and Wrecker, and that won't be a good catching situation. But we talked about this with Scott. I think it was a week ago. Most catching situations in the baseball are not good. I mean, it's it's one of the things where, even with as bad as AJ Przinsky was for almost half a season this year, the Braves still weren't at the bottom of catching situations. Granted, Flowers had a you know what, what, looks, what looks to be a career year, and that I don't think he's going to repeat. But uh, there's some awful catchers that play big time. Uh, they get big time playing time um, around baseball. So I, I don't think that a, a pairing of Flowers and Wrecker is going to be good. By any means, but it's not a situation where you just absolutely have to go out and pay Jason Castro or Matt Wieters, who yeah. uh, our, your boy Mark Bowman has already said the Braves don't have any interest in. But yeah, still, thankfully, uh, that's a guy who's been out there. It's just all these names of free agents where that are more famous. I mean, Wieters mm-hmm. is obviously a more famous guy than anybody on the Braves roster at catcher or, or or Castro, but it's not worth it, man. It's just not. I agree with you. We've talked a lot about how the starting pitching is so thin this year, but. The catching market in general is generally terrible, and this year's no exception to that. I think it's worth pointing out that Jason Castro threw out like five times um, 
or had a 24% cut ceiling percentage last year compared to uh, Tyler Flowers' remarkable 5%. Which oh, seems my goodness, Tyler Flowers. Just ludicrous. I like Tyler Flowers, but it, it's, <laughs> it's hard to watch him throw a baseball. Ooh, That's not a yeah. joke. It's hard. Agreed. Uh, so, no, I think that I think that would be a, a nice addition. Um, with I feel like the, all the catchers this offseason are going to probably get overpaid just because there's just no catchers out there. So... I'm gonna be. I'm probably gonna be surprised when I see the numbers of the deals these catchers are getting. But um, like Copy said, it's it's not really something that uh, I'm gonna get too worked up about. Yeah, and, and if it's one of those situations where you see a Jason Castro contract come down on the bottom line of ESPN, that's like a th- a three year deal for real money. That's not gonna be the Braves. I don't think. I'd be pretty surprised mm-hmm. if they're gonna commit a big deal to a catcher at this point, unless it's something where Wilson Ramos catches a discount and wants to come to Atlanta. I can't yeah. imagine that's gonna happen. So uh, anyway, catcher is not really a glaring spot. It's I would say it's still a weakness at this point. That's that's fair, but I don't mm-hmm. think I don't think it's this crazy spot that they're absolutely going to go out and address uh, more often than third base is. I mean, it's the same thing. Catcher and third base are the two uh, weak, weak weak points on the on the roster, but all the talk and all the all the momentum and all the activities been on the pitching side, and that probably might continue. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to ask you about about Dickie and Cologne, who we sort of breezed over early in the podcast. I haven't gotten your actually, have not, I have no idea how you feel about these contracts, which is funny as we talk about this in recorded form. Uh, <laughs> yeah, your no. thoughts, sir, on both of these deals, please. You and Scott broke these down pretty well last week, so I won't dwell on them too much. But before I get into what I think, first I have to fess up and uh, give credit where credit is due to Liam Murphy on Twitter. Um, when we recorded the podcast, uh, I believe it was in October. Yeah, it was like October, four, I think it was four weeks ago. Yeah, we uh, it was basically on on what pitchers we thought the Braves were going to go after. We mentioned that, and Liam Murphy replies and says, "You guys forgot to mention Bartolo Colon as a potential free agent target." And a uh, brief background on Liam: I'm pretty sure he's a Mets fan, and he does this thing where he just follows a new a new second team every year just so he can kind of keep up with the league, which is pretty interesting. But uh, I replied to him and said, I think intentionally didn't mention him as more accurate. And he basically made the argument that Cologne would be good for us to sign. Brad, you then said, you said if, he, if he'd sign a one-year deal, then sure, he's 43 years old. I said I wouldn't want to invest in a 43-year-old throwing 87-mile-per-hour fastballs. And Liam continued to back his dude, and sure enough, the Braves signed him. So I, I apologize, Liam. I was wrong. You were right. And uh, <laughs> at this point, that. honestly <laughs> – it it's it doesn't seem too terrible. I mean, the money isn't crazy based on what pitchers are getting now. Um, and Bartolo has seemingly defied nature and been a pretty productive pitcher in the past four years. He's had like two WAR every year, which is shocking. Um, I think I'm just excited to see him hit every five days, to be honest. So that'll be great. I'm a little skeptical of Ari Dickey, as I think most people probably are. But um, I mean, these deals, I don't know. Cologne will be more interesting to watch, and I think he'll actually continue to be pretty good. There's nothing that's really – I mean, I don't think he'll suddenly drop off a cliff. I don't think he's ever going to be the the Cy Young candidate that he was a few years ago but um, or a long time ago. But, uh, I mean, they're, they're solid. They're going to eat innings, and they're going to be better than some of the young guys were last year, I have to imagine. Yeah, I mean – that's basically what I think too, uh, because I, I guess I said it a month ago uh, on a one-year deal. I'd be fine with it. So there, mm-hmm. there it is with Bartolo. 
Uh, I'm totally cool with it. I think one of the reasons why, why we brushed it off, at least for me, is that I thought the Braves. I thought he just had no reason to sign with the Braves. Yeah, that's but kind I, of, I, I never really expected it. It to... seems like Atlanta probably just paid more, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, there, there are no, there are no bad one-year contracts. Like it's if if it, does, if it doesn't work out, if Cologne is just awful in mm-hmm. June, in June they'll cut bait. It is what it is. Like I have no beef with it at all. There's. I'm pretty skeptical that both these guys are going to work out. I think it's pretty yep. safe to assume that one of them is not going to be good. Uh, but if they if if they if they spend you know 20 million essentially and get one uh, pretty good starting pitcher for one year, that's just fine. It's not mm-hmm. a big deal. I'll basically sum up my feelings about both of these with one of my responses to Liam, um, which was wouldn't be terrible, but doesn't move the needle much for me if they're trying to compete. Which is basically what my thoughts are. Um, the Braves continuously say they're trying to compete next season. I don't doubt they're trying to, but I feel like it's more about being a 500 team and being respectable than actually pushing for a playoff run because I still don't see where they're uh, ready to do that, and I don't think these two moves change that at all. I, I will say this. I think they're they're certainly better than they were before they made, before they made those signings for 2017. Mm-hmm. So if that's the goal... I think it's, you know, if you're just asking me who I think is going to be a more valuable pitcher for 2017 only between Matt Whistler and Bartolo Colon, I'll tell you Bartolo Colon. If you ask me who's going to be better between Aaron, between Aaron Blair and Ari Dickey, I'm going to say Ari Dickey. So, and I might be wrong. I might between be, Ari Dickey and Matt Whistler, that's the real question. I think it still might be Dickey. Honestly, Dickey's been <laughs> better so in the last sad. couple of years. I mean, Dickey's leveled off. Obviously, he's gotten he's gotten worse as he gets older, but... Whistler's not been good. I mean, I, I like him too. I know you do. I, I know our boy Zach Dillard does for Fox Sports. That's his guy. But, you know, Whistler might be a guy who gets it at some point and the light might come on, but he's not been good. And Blair was obviously pretty much a disaster in 2016. And again, mm-hmm. that's, that's still a guy I think can be decent. Um, I still I have not like completely bailed on either one of these guys, but in terms of 2017 only, I understand what they're trying to do. They want to be better. And, you know... At this point, they still only have four guys who are who are locks the rotation between the two old guys, Fulte and Tehran. So there's still a spot there for either Whistler or Blair as currently constructed, and that's a good mm-hmm. good competition thing for the spring uh, for those two guys and potentially even a couple of other young guys battling it out. That's fun, and Josh Coleminter is yeah. around, and they can they can pick the best guy. But um, I'm okay with not going to the rotation and just handing out spots. That's something yeah. Copy's been talking about on the radio. I know locally. Is that they don't? They're kind of tired of handing out spots to young guys who haven't proven it, and I'm okay yeah. with that. No, that's good. I think another thing that these two guys bring is just uh, they're both two guys who have kind of redefined themselves as their careers progress to stay in the league, and I think they probably have a lot of valuable things that they can teach some of these young guys. I know Bartolo is a guy who has always spoken of very highly in any clubhouse that he's been in about just mentoring young pitchers, and I think there's a lot of value that obviously we can't uh, quantify, but there's a lot of good things that these two guys can do for the young pitchers. Uh, And before this, there wasn't really a lot of uh, experience uh, to look to as far as players that are actually pitching for the team on a regular basis. Yeah, it's nice to have that old guard around, I suppose. I mean, people pick on the veteran presence thing a lot, but I feel like just being around teams for – the past two summers, like there's real value to that, and, and there are real things that the pitchers can learn. Just because we can't actually quantify that doesn't mean it's it's not a real thing. So I think there's there's something to be said for that. Uh, and before we're we're gonna move off and go to uh, some more you know forward thinking stuff as we kind of mm-hmm. do on this podcast. Before we move out of this little section, I wanted to ask you. We, we kind of beat around the bush a little bit, 
but I'll ask you on the record here in mid-November. If the Braves were done right now with the current roster they have, and that's not realistic necessarily because I think they're going to do mm-hmm. something else, whatever it might be, something small. If they were done right now, what would your win total for them be? Like, give me, even if it's just a ballpark, give me a give me a little bit of a range of that you would expect them to land in as currently constructed. Oh wow! Okay, so last year they had sixty eight. Yep. Um, so obviously, I think they're going to be better than that, but I don't think that the second half offense is something we should be expecting on a like a full season's worth of games their pitching should be better i'm expecting some of the younger guys to take a step forward i think they'll probably be around uh i'd say 75 wins is probably a realistic expectation like that might be a little optimistic i'll I'll just say 75 wins that's about where i am i can be a little high i can see I could see it going a little bit higher than that if you get the performances that that, that, I, mm-hmm. that I'm sure they're expecting from guys like Dansby over a full season, uh, Ender over a full season, mm-hmm. uh, being healthy. I mean, there's some reasons to be optimistic. As you, I mean, you mentioned 68 wins last year. That's that's including uh, that first half of Eric Ibar and AJ Brzezinski yeah. and some of the disasters in the, in the rotation. So I, I could see why people would you know it's almost an automatic jump to 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 about. Where you have where you have them at the mid seventies, I think, given the current talent versus what actually transpired early in the year last year. But mm-hmm. I'm with you on the offense in the second half. There's been, there was some unsustainable performances, i.e., from Enciarte. I don't think he's going to be, uh, you know, basically a 300, 400, 500 guy over. Uh, for, that's where he was like the last like two months of the year. You know, mm. Freddie Freeman. That might have been the best year of Freddie's career. I mean, that's that's something that's definitely in play uh, that we may never see Freddie better than that. It could happen again, but you know, Freddie was incredible. So projecting that again would be aggressive. Uh, and also, Dansby was quite good. And while you know, I think he'll be good. I'm not mm. sure he's going to be as good over a full season as he was in that you know six weeks yeah. this year. Um, and I think you mentioned Freeman. I mean, if you look at this team of projections for him in 2017, they're projecting him as a 3.7 win player, which is significantly lower than the 6.1 that he put up. So I, I think you're right on the money there with Freeman. We could have very well just seen his best season. And then obviously Dansby, the more he's in the league, I mean, pitchers are going to find out where to attack him. So Yeah, I mean, there's reasons to be optimistic. Again, like mm-hmm. I think Freeman, I'd have Freeman projected for better than 3.7. But, yeah, I agree with you. but six is also that's a whole other ball game. So there's other stuff. I mean, third base I think will probably be better, even if it's just uh, Garcia and Ruiz. That's probably better than what they rolled out for most of this year. Um, you know, there's reasons to be optimistic, and the, obviously the rotation you would think will be better with a, with a full year of Fulte, uh the two old guys who you think will be at least as good or better than what we saw last year for the rotation. Uh, so yeah, I get it. I just don't think I think if every I think if everything came together with the current roster, you're talking about 500 team. If everything mm-hmm. goes well, yeah. Uh, so and that doesn't usually happen. You're talking something's going to go wrong. Some somebody's going to get hurt. That's what happens. Uh, so yeah, I'm kind of with you. Uh, mid to high 70s, and you know don't 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 get too mad at us, Braves fans. We're just trying to be <laughs> realistic. I promise. Always throwing cold water on everyone. Uh, yeah, listen, it, it's going to be more fun. I promise you that. It's going to be a more I fun mean, team. You've got Bartolo, so there's no doubt in that. we got Bartolo and Dansby. Uh, that's fun. So we're good. It's very fun. Um, all right, let's get off of that. A um, couple of prospect uh, desirable things, then we'll get out of here. Uh, the Braves had to add uh, three guys to the 40-man rota- uh, rotation, 40-man roster this week. Uh, those guys were Max Fried, Lucas Sims, and Johan Camargo. I'm sure that's the wrong pronunciation of that name. 
Um, I think you probably, probably nailed that. How else would you say that? I don't know, man. I'm usually <laughs> wrong. Uh, but anyway, uh, Freed and Sims were kind of locks. They had to do that to protect those guys. So that that's not really a big story. But Camargo was the the surprise and um, a guy that, you know, looking at the resume, I'll be the first to tell you that I don't know a ton about him. But uh, I was a little bit surprised given what he's done and the age and the lack of bat. But anything to, like, note here, you think, with those guys? Or it's just kind of a business as usual. Uh, they did what they had to do. Uh, I think, like you mentioned, the first two are pretty obvious. Camargo, he's a little bit more under the radar. I think he's a pretty versatile kind of utility he's a guy. Glo- he's, a, he's, he's a glove guy. I know that. Yeah. From talking and, to uh, his offense, you already, you already told me that you weren't too impressed with his offense. And just looking at what he's done so far, I think that's pretty safe. He was at Mississippi last year and had like four home runs and one stolen base. So uh, I don't know how much he's ever going to do with the bat. Um, but, no, I don't think this is uh, – Anything too crazy? Maybe maybe Camargo will turn into a uh, valuable utility guy one day. Who knows? But I I don't know too much about him, like you said. So, and there it is. That was our forty uh, man roster nugget of the day. Uh, and the last thing, the speaking last, of you, you mentioned the forty man rotation. I, I feel like the Braves could actually fill out a forty man rotation, which is pretty awesome. They kind of could. It looks like at this point. Um, <laughs> oh, but, uh, before before I forget, I just remember this when we said forty man rotation. Uh, can we can we let the uh, top prospect Ryan Weaver meme thing that we've been doing like can we just send it off? Oh, finally? see if you no see longer. Carlos, if you listen to the podcast, we did this oh, already. Gosh, I why need to be part of it. Though. Why do you hate me? Uh, Everyone, but no, it's no, true. I need to be part of it. It's true. Uh, I'm I'm sorry, Ryan Weaver. It, it, it's okay. I, yeah, I someone mentioned best. it to me on Twitter the other day, and I just want to say um, the top prospect Ryan Weber. Uh, chatting has been awesome, but it's old and tired, and now officially is dead. So it, it's not his fault. Long live With prospects on the table, though, I did, this is our. We'll get we'll get out of here with this one. We got a question from multiple people of the sort of the same ilk, but we took the one from Zach Caldwell on Twitter. Uh, he asked, "Who are the three untouchable prospects in the Braves system?" <laughs> Uh, myself and Eric have, have done this already and I already asked Scott. So I guess I'm going to ask everybody that comes on the podcast during the off season, who their guys are. So, uh, Carlos, who are your three untouchable prospects? If you want to go beyond three, uh, by all means, I'm of the mind that there are really only two. Um, but Hey, go, you go ahead with your, with your list. If you have, one. so first of all, I feel like we've done this before. Have we not? I think we probably have, but it's, it, it can yeah. change. It's, it's been months since, no, since you and I would have done it. But so. I, I also I don't know where this like uh, this question comes from because I understand that like it's interesting but like I feel like I've said a lot like there are no untouchable prospects and I know it's just hypothetical but I mean basically this question is who are the top three best prospects in the system right I'll say this I'll say this before you go uh, and I think I might have said this I don't want to be too cynical no it's true I I definitely agree with you in, in practice I will say this. <laughs> The Braves are not trading Nancy Swanson. He is untouchable, yeah. whether he is supposed to be or not. Unless they, unless Mike, unless the answers call about Mike Trout, they're not trading. They're not trading. <laughs> Mike Trout Swanson. straight up for Dansby. It's the PR I, thing. I might, more than I might anything. have to do it. <laughs> Obviously, there's no, some right. trades out there where yeah. trading Swanson would be the right decision, but the PR disaster that it would be after he was good when he came up and the number one overall pick and all this stuff. Yeah, they're not trading Swanson. It's not happening. All right, all right. So I'll jump in on this. So if we're yeah, uh, Dansby obviously, uh, Kevin Maiton probably just because his ceiling is probably the highest of any prospect they have. Uh, he's so young, so projectable. He's got so many tools. Um, the third one's probably the hardest for me. Um, 
I want to say Ozzy just because he's a hitter, so he's less likely to just completely turn into nothing. But I'll probably go with uh, Kobe Allard. I feel like he's probably the uh, the top pitcher for me. Um, yeah, Dansby, Maiton, and Kobe Allard are probably my three if I had to pick three. Uh, I don't hate that at all. I think the first two are, are the two. I would certainly not put Albies on this list. Yeah. Um, I think I've earned the reputation of being super negative on Albies. That's not mm-hmm. really true. I just don't. I think the presence of Swanson makes him so much more valuable for the Braves. Yeah, I think that's. I like that point. It's just what it is. I've said that over and over again, but like, I think he can certainly be a good second baseman. So there's no there's no problem with holding on to him and making him Mm. your second baseman in the future. But in terms of on the market, like he's very tradable. So Mm. I won't put him on there. And uh, yeah, I've talked about this a bunch. It's pick your favorite pitcher. I mean, it's Allard or Anderson. Um, Freed's been a guy people are really excited about again. Yeah, Freed seems to be one of those guys who's kind of rising up there. Who was your third guy? I think I'd probably go with Allard too, honestly. Um, Anderson would be the other option for me. I don't, you know, mm. pe- people will, a lot of people would probably have Newcomb here. I'm not a big Newcomb guy. I hope I'm wrong about that. I but, think I would probably take Allard and Anderson over Newcomb yeah, in that vacuum. Obviously, Newcomb's closer to the majors, so I get that. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he just, you know, if you had to pitch a game today, that's the guy you'd want out of the whole system um, to pitch, unless you're counting guys like Whistler, but who's he's already mm-hmm. been up for so long that. Um, yeah, I'm not Whistler for uh, sure. As far, as far as pure prospects are concerned, um, Nukem would be the guy you'd want to pitch right now. But hey, uh, yeah, I would definitely go higher ceiling and go Anderson, or you know, maybe even Soroka. Like Eric, I trust Eric, and Soroka's yep. a guy that Eric loves and has loved forever. And people are starting to notice how good he is. So another option, but yeah, I think there really is two. Two is the answer. Uh, I agree with you in practice um, that there really shouldn't be anybody that's untouchable. But I th- it would shock me if either Swanson or Maiton was moved. It just would. Maybe if the White Sox shirt. Maybe, maybe if it's just like, hey, um, you you don't get Chris Sale if you if you don't trade Kevin Maiton, then you do it. But mm-hmm. um, aside from that, I just don't think it's going to happen. They 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 like that guy. Yeah, sure. they definitely do. Heavily invested in that guy. So. They, they had the guy. Uh, they had Kevin. They had Kevin wearing a hat when he was like fourteen. Was like all over <laughs> yeah, the he, he's so. been in the system for a long time now. For better, uh, I guess not <laughs> not so legally at one point. Yeah. but uh, listen, that's the guy they like unofficially. Um, well, uh, Carlos, uh, thanks you. Thanks for coming on, man. Uh, we, yeah. I know you always will when I call you and ask you, beg you to come. Yeah, on. even even if I make you like stay up all night, which by the way, Brad. Probably one of the hardest working guys I know, so uh, we really appreciate what you do, Brad. I can go ahead and tell you that. The the podcast has been in great hands. I know you're doing hundreds of other things as well, so uh, I appreciate you continuing to have me on the podcast and uh, stick in with the Talking Chop family. It's been nice. Uh, well, thank you, sir, for that. Is there anything you would like to plug on this fine on this fine evening? I, I, I don't I don't really know what you're doing at this moment, so I don't know yeah, what you can plug. I'm I'm kind of just I've, I've been really not writing about baseball for like a month and a half, and I'm starting to have withdrawals, so I need to kind of get back at that. Um, but you can follow me on Twitter at Carlos A. Colazzo. I'm hoping to have um, what I'm doing kind of announced soon, but um, if if that doesn't happen, uh, maybe I'll just continue tweeting about stuff but hopefully i can figure out what i'm doing in the next few weeks um but until then you can follow me on twitter at carlos a colazo you heard it here folks maybe he'll start tweeting about stuff <laughs> that would be good uh so sad. As, for, as for me you can follow <laughs> me if you don't follow me already at bt Roland. please follow the site at talking chop on um, also 
uh, on Twitter and on Facebook. If you're not a Facebook uh, follower of the, of the site, please do that as well. And obviously our content is uh, always flowing on the site, as well as there's a special section for the podcast. If you want to go read the little preview write-up that I do for each podcast, go ahead and do that. They'll all post uh, Monday at noon is my time slot. So that's, that's, where, that's where it's going to live for the, uh, for the time being. I appreciate everybody listening. If you've not subscribed on iTunes, please do that as well. Leave us a five-star review. That would be helpful to me and uh, to the site in general. So thanks as always for listening, guys. We'll have Carlos back soon, and I'll be back next week with another episode of Talking Chat Podcast.